Nikuda Behechola series for volume 19, Re'e 3, titled Family and Friends. On the verse in our Parsha, if your brother, the son of your mother, tempts you in secret, or your son, or your daughter, or the wife of your embrace, or your friend, who is as your own soul, saying, Let us go and worship other gods, which neither you nor your forefathers have known. On this verse, Rashi comments, Your brother from the father's side, the son of your mother from the mother's side, of your embrace, the one that lies in your embrace and is attached to you, who is as your own soul, this refers to your father. Scripture enumerates those persons who are dear to you. How much more so must you apply this to others? End quote of Rashi. Why is there no mention of one's mother or sister? And why doesn't Rashi explain this absence of a mother or sister? Now, we could say that the verse is being all-inclusive with the words, or your friend who is as your own soul, meaning those who are dear to you. And Rashi is only commenting on the novelty of the words, who is as your own soul, that this means even your father. And, as mentioned, who is as your own soul simply refers to mother, sister, and all friends. However, the question still begs to be asked, one, why are all other relatives enumerated individually, but not one's mother and sister? And especially so, number two, if the verse enumerates those who are dear to you, then a mother is definitely dearer than a brother, and even of a father, as Rashi in Leviticus states, and I quote, In the case of honoring one's parents, Scripture mentions the father before the mother, because he, God, is privy to the fact that a child honors his mother more than his father, since she wins his favor, end quote. The explanation to this is that Rashi, as a rule, holds that, and he mentions this in Exodus and many other places, quote, the text spoke of what usually occurs, end quote. And even on our verse, Rashi explains this rule, quote, in secret, Scripture speaks of what commonly occurs but does not exclude the other case as one who entices publicly. For usually, the one who entices speaks in secret. End quote. So therefore, to Rashi, it is not a question as to why the verse makes no mention of a mother or a sister, since it is, quote-unquote, not common that one should be influenced by a mother or a sister to worship other gods. The explanation. Influence to serving other gods will happen through one of two ways. One, intellectually influencing with logic and reason. Or two, neighborly friendship or family endearment. Hence, the Torah is enumerating of both sorts. Paternal and maternal brothers usually have an influence driven by logical and faith-based reasoning. Even more so, fathers have a great influence upon his son in matters of faith. However, the influence of sons, daughters, and a wife most commonly will be driven by their emotional closeness. Nevertheless, even within family, there will be logical influences, only that by family there is closeness involved as well. Hence, the verse includes both reasoning within one, listing the family influence from the lighter to the stronger. One, 
paternal brothers, in which each already have their own family, which usually have contractual relationships of inheritance and other dealings. Two, maternal brothers have a stronger closeness than just paternal brothers, as the Talmud in Kedushin states, and I quote, with regard to what is the plain meaning of the verse written, the context of enticement to idolatrous worship, why does it emphasize the son of your mother? Abayah said, the verse is speaking, utilizing the style of, it is not necessary. It is not necessary to state that one should not be enticed by the son of a father who hates him due to their rivalry for their father's inheritance and therefore gives him bad advice. Rather, the same is true even of the son of a mother who does not hate him since they have they are not rivals for the same inheritance as each inherits from his own father. One might therefore say that he should listen to him and accept his, his advice. The verse consequently teaches us that he should not heed to his enticements. So, therefore, it lists maternal brothers, which is stronger than paternal brothers second. Number three, stronger yet, is the closeness between a father and his son or daughter. Number four, even stronger yet, is the closeness and influence of a, of a wife. Five, and above all, is the strength of the closeness and influence in matters of faith of, quote-unquote, your friend who is as your own soul, which includes both closest friends and a father. And with this, we will understand why the verse does not list, and Rashi doesn't find this absence problematic, a sister or a mother. Among an adult brother and sister, in which the sister is occupied with bringing up her own family, it isn't common that a sister should have an influence upon her brother in matters of faith to the point of getting him to, quote-unquote, let us go and worship other gods. And even with a mother with whom there is a strong closeness, nevertheless, it is not common for the mother to have a strong influence upon an adult married with kids' son in matters of faith to the point of, quote-unquote, let us go and worship other gods, unlike daughters and the wife with whom he is living. On a mystical level, each of these relationships mentioned in the verse all exist within a person himself. Within a person there are his power of will, intellects, emotions, thoughts, speech, and action. The verse here is telling us that in times of darkness, temptations, and challenges, one cannot solely rely on any of his inner faculties of logic and reasoning. Even his highest faculty of father, which refers to the faculty of wisdom, to which idol worship is a non-option, and nevertheless we are commanded in ethics of our fathers, quote-unquote, do not believe in yourself until the day you die. As we find concerning Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who said, I have two paths before me, one of the Garden Eden and one of Gehenna, and I do not know on which way they are leading me. Even though the Talmud says, quote-unquote, he never walked four cubits without engaging in Torah study and without donning phylacteries, tefillin, end quote. And another quote from the Talmud, 40 years he studied Torah and 40 years he taught Torah, end quote. How much more so each and every one of us should not rely on our faculties of logic and reasoning. Rather, we must have mesiras nefesh. Now, literally, 
that means sacrifice of the soul, to give up one's life. However, nefesh also means will. So we're going to say here that the Messiris Nefesh is to sacrifice our will, meaning to serve God and remain committed to God with absolute obedience and self-nullification. And being that the power of will is superior even to the faculty of wisdom, hence, through Messiris Nefesh, we influence our commitment to God upon all of our inner faculties of father, paternal brother, maternal mother, etc., and ascertain that we will always be, as the verse says, quote-unquote, you shall follow the Lord your God, fear Him, keep His commandments, heed His voice, worship Him, and cleave to Him.